July 3rd of this year marks the 50th anniversary of lead singer of The Doors, Jim Morrison's death. Of course, it's a melancholic anniversary, but it's a way to celebrate all that Jim Morrison brought to pop culture and honor him as an artist. This is Patrick Prince, editor of Goldmine, the music collector's magazine since 1974. And this is the Goldmine Podcast, part of the Pantheon Group of Podcasts. Jim Morrison is buried in the Grand Cemetery Père Lachaise in Paris, and every year at this time, many make their way to his gravesite as a pilgrimage of sorts. This year, being the 50th anniversary of Jim's passing, there's expected to be a large amount of visitors, even during these cautious days of the COVID pandemic's ebb and flow. To talk about this with us is someone who knows a great deal about the cemetery Père Lachaise in Paris, where Jim is buried, probably more than anyone. Her name is Carolyn Campbell. She's an author, photographer, and artist who lives in West Hollywood, practically across the street from where Jim's famous motel room was. In fact, she has published the ultimate book on Père Lachaise called City of Immortals. If you go to cityofimmortals.com, you could see even more about the book and how to purchase it. And it's a great tour guide with maps and resources and everything. But it's more than that. Carolyn did so much research on the artists buried there. And that includes Jim Morrison himself. She spoke to many of those close to Jim, especially friends in Paris in his last days there, including those who were at his small cemetery ceremony. Goldmine published an excerpt from City of Immortals in the August print issue. And you can read more on Jim Morrison and Père Lachaise from that excerpt. Carolyn does a great job of taking these interviews and research that she's done and turning them creatively into a spiritual interview with the artist. It's, it's quite unique. So we will be talking to Carolyn Campbell about her City of Immortals book and the Jim Morrison portion of it. And a lot that you'll need to know about Jim Morrison's gravesite, from the graffiti to a bubblegum-laced tribute tree created by the fans of Jim, and how much this site is worth visiting, right after this message from CygnusRadio.com. Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine, the music collector's magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. Hello. Carolyn? Yes, Pat. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. <clears throat> yeah, so welcome, Carolyn. Uh so Goldmine ran an excerpt of your book, City of Immortals, in the latest issue, the August issue, on newsstands. Um, of course, that's beginning July. 
Um, and it's in the excerpt, there's an interview with the Doors singer Jim Morrison, a spiritual interview. And of course, July 3rd is the 50th anniversary of his death. Now, City of Immortals is mainly about Père Lachaise. Uh, so first off, what first attracted you to the Paris Cemetery? And then the decision to write a book about it. Well, first of all, I want to thank you, Pat, for doing this podcast on um, Goldmine. I'm thrilled. I'm a big fan of yours. <laughs> and, um, well, I was working in a museum in Washington, D.C., the Corcoran, and the conservator there moonlighted as a travel agent. And at a staff meeting one time, said, Carolyn, you want to go to Paris in two weeks? And I went, what do you mean? He goes, one of my charters just canceled, and I've got a seat, and it's yours for paying the tax. Well, the tax back in the 80s was 70 bucks. So needless to say, I said yes. And a week later, uh, an artist friend at a gallery opening said, oh, I hear you're going to France. You've got to go to Père Lachaise Cemetery. And I went, graveyards yeah, are really not my thing. And he goes, aren't you a big fan of Oscar Wilde? And I said, he's my literary hero. He goes, my ancestor, Sir Jacob Epstein, designed and built his monument in Père Lachaise Cemetery. Mm. Needless to say, that was my goal. And 30 years later, I'm still going to that cemetery every <laughs> chance I get. And um, so that's where it all started. Just uh, Oscar. I have Oscar to blame for my obsession with Père Lachaise. <laughs> well, I, I visited probably about 15 years ago. And I wish uh -huh. I had this book um, with me because... I really didn't have anything. I kind of found my way there through public transportation. And they do give you, if I can remember correctly, a little map. Um, but this book is part travel guide. It has a map in it. It helps you around the cemetery to visit all the artists. And what's unique, it has interviews with the spirits of the artists there. So it's all of this wrapped up into one um, maybe you could talk about how you came up with the idea. Uh, was it going to be just sort of a travel guide at first and your love for the, how you became to love this cemetery? Because it is kind of like a work of art with all these luminaries, right? Um, well, there, and of course the idea of interviewing the spirits there. Well, it started out, I'm a writer and a photographer, and I thought this would make a beautiful photo album. Um, you know, I worked in a museum, so I saw a big coffee table book and big splendid pictures. But the more time I spent in the cemetery and encountering other visitors who, like myself, got lost in the 107 acres, I said, people don't realize what's here. I mean, right. not only was Oscar Wilde there, but Jim Morrison and Frederick Chopin and Edith Piaf. I said, this is like the salon of the greats. So I started not so much. I invited a friend of mine from um, London to, to help with photography. And I started writing and researching how people got buried there, who was there. And I encountered a lot of people like me who were lost and they had no map. And I started to design the map. Mm -hmm. And it was all by hand. And when Pete friends were going to France, I would say, here, take my rough draft of the map and see if you can fill in any blanks. And in 2012, I created the first map. And the one that's tucked into the back pocket of the book is the most current map. And it features all the artists, writers, and musicians, you know, my people. <laughs> yeah. But there's plenty of their presidents, their bankers, their scientists. But the book really became 
kind of like a love letter to the place. I still, to this day, after 30 years, am passionate about the landscape. It, it's a former Jesuit retreat of the confessor to Louis XIV, Father Lachaise. It's rolling hills, it's gardens, it's, um, it's a breathtaking. It's the largest public green space in Paris. Yeah, it's, it's not your normal cemetery. No. <laughs> but it is really utilized by a lot of people as a wonderful place to stroll. It's the fourth most popular destination in all of Paris, mm. beyond yeah. the uh, Arc de Triomphe and the Louvre. And, it's like uh, a park. It really is, yeah. Yes, it is. It is It is exactly like a park. Yeah. But it was, it was not easy to find... Um, uh, Jim Morrison, um, I, first of all, I never even found Oscar Wilde my first visit in 1981. I was just overwhelmed by the immensity of the place. And Jim Morrison uh, and Oscar is in the far north section. I did, however, find Morrison because all you have to do is follow the smell of marijuana in the air. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the groups, everyone's asking. I, I think it's the number one destination of all of the 70,000 people that are buried there. It is the number one destination, and so you'll, it's, um, as people will see in the map, it's right off of something called the Grand Ronde, which is this big circle, but it spiders off into several little breakaway alleys. They're cobblestone, and it's very much kind of an urban scape. It's like a city, but Morrison's tomb is low, and it's in between two taller tombs, so it's extremely difficult to locate. But yeah, I, you know, I remember I, <laughs> the same thing. I uh, followed what were obviously fans. Uh, right. I don't know if I, I can't remember marijuana being smelled, but it was obviously <laughs> they. It was obvious that they were well, fans. Um, you know, well, this was the, the early '80s. It was pot was still very much a popular thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I I had one. Um, person that I know who is spiritual ask if you know if this was did you actually interview these artists like a seance or was it a fictional account and I couldn't I couldn't well, answer that <laughs> well, well I have to tell you when I um, was asking around I did befriend the curator and director of the cemetery and I was asking him they were very generous I would never been able to achieve what I did with the book had I not had the support of a lot of historians, people at the Bibliothèque Nationale, the French Library there. And the, the stories were pretty wild. And I had, you know, then when I came home, did some more research, and I said, what really happened? And I just took the initiative. I called information, and I asked for the – now, this is when I'm still living in D.C., and asked for the phone number of Ray Manzarek in Los Angeles, and they gave me his home phone number. Yeah. So I called him up, and initially, uh, I was going back over my notes. I'm so glad for this interview, because I got to dig back into my archives, and it was 1982, and he, and I was asking these questions, and now that I think of it, the airplane going by here, um, he was a little trepidatious about being open and I tried to tell him no I was my goal was to be more honest about who this man was not this crazed alcoholic on the stage who got arrested in Florida I said who is the man who is the artist and Ray just opened up to me about um, how had 
he would have given up 10 years of his own career had Morrison lived yeah, so that they that. could have collaborated on films. He said he was so much more, you know, he was basically a poet and a writer. Yeah, not yeah, I know. Not a front man for it. So right. um, subsequently, I, I moved to Los Angeles um, in the, oh, I guess it was the mid-80s. Mm. And I, my real estate agent was a former lead singer in a rock band. And she said, oh, you're interested in Jim Morrison. I know Bill Siddons, his former manager. Yeah. I said, you're kidding. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, all of the serendipity, you know, again, creative things, they take you hostage. I would like to say, oh, I had this big plan. Every door opened to another one, to another one. So I kept following the trail. And Bill was one of the only people there at the funeral. Um, he was very generous in uh, a lot of what he mentioned to me in our multiple conversations are in the book. Right. So I got another feel for who Jim was in Bill's eyes. Right. And then one Thanksgiving, I'm um, having dinner and a friend says, oh, I hear you're doing well. I think I had the map. I, I designed and sold the map before I did the book. And I was giving out the map to friends of mine at Thanksgiving. And my friend said, oh, have you ever met Alain Rone? And I said, who's that? He goes, oh, my God, he went to film school with Jim. And he was French, but also had American, I guess, some kind of uh, passport or something. But he was the one that found Jim's body and arranged the burial with Agnes Varda. And I right. said, oh, my God, where did he, where does he live? He lived five blocks from me in West yeah. Hollywood. Amazing. So um, Alain was unfortunately bedridden at the time. He sadly died last August. But he too, we sat down and he talked again about their last days in Paris together when um, he was walking with Jim through Père Lachaise and saying, wow, I'd love to be buried here. Balzac, Chopin, this is great company. And very prescient because right. in fact he was buried. Right. So, that's yeah. how the conversations. I just met, I met Oscar Wilde's grandson at a conference at UCLA, and so you know all of these interactions and really doing a very deep dive into biographies. I wanted to bring forth the artist's voice. That not was a the great, rumor more. right? That was a great creative way to do it. It really was. I uh, hope I captured it. I mean, there there's some lively people. I interviewed Isadora Duncan and Isa Piaf and. Modigliani, and of course, everybody's drug-taking, alcoholic, partier, you know, I mean, so, <laughs> again, my people. They now, were very, the, very, they were the very rock stars of their day. <laughs> they really, well, they, they're very passionate about their, their artistic craft. Right. They lived life to the fullest. Many of them, I mean, poor Modigliani, the painter, died at 37. Ugh. Piaf died at 47. Um, and, and Morrison, of course, at 27. Right. So something about the sevens, I don't know. But uh, again, um, it really, at the time, I only had about three of those interviews written. And my publisher said, these are great. Let's have, can you give me eight? And I was like, oh, my God. So, <laughs> But it was, you know, when you do it, when you've got a book deal, you, you step up. Right. So I was glad to deliver a full eight interviews. Well, those are the people to interview, the ones behind the scene, because, um, you know, Manzarek did open up, but a lot of times you get scripted answers. Uh, you know, you're lucky that you took it at the angle that you wanted to interview him about Jim, the artist, you know, so he really did 
open up about that because you know we heard all the stories about Jim Morrison, the Doors frontman, or most of the stories, right? But not enough about him as as the artist Jim Morrison because if he had lived, he probably would have. I think he would have just gone down a different road artistically. I think that he um, would have gone more into filmmaking and uh, maybe possibly screenwriting. He spent some time when he was in Paris with Agnes Varda, the yeah. filmmaker. And um, there's just some wonderful stories. I mean, the whole vision of Jim, uh, Agnes, and Alain trekking around Paris. I mean, right. it had to be... What an encounter. Um, and, and what he loved is that he was anonymous there. Right. Nobody knew who this guy was. And <laughs> that happened also, you know, at his death, they did not tell the police who this was. Right. They said that this was, um, this, and they, of course, unfortunately, said this is some alcoholic writer from the U.S. called Douglas Morrison. So the police had no clue um, that who this was until they had to do the burial arrangements and they had to give his full name. And at that point, there was no time for any paparazzi or anyone to kind of storm the funeral service or anything like that. So he got the privacy that everybody wanted. And um, Well, his friends was, told you about this ceremony at the cemetery, which was, you know, I mean, they basically got the coffin and they went to the cemetery. It was uh, Bill and uh, Jim's assistant, Robin, and... And uh, Agnes, right? A few others, and Pamela Kirkland, his girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. And there was it, the whole Alana. ceremony took eight minutes. Eight minutes. Yeah. It was, Amazing. That was it, and there was no headstone. It was just a, and that's why I'm sure early, early on, it was impossible to find it because there was just the dirt mound, and um, there was they purposely just did not want it of course what has become now is a, literally a shrine right and um so there it, it, later it, it this croatian artist um right. his name i can barely Mladen uh, mikulin who installed this beautiful bust of morrison very realistic and that was for many many years um the one kind of landmark so that you could find the tomb right but and that was stolen I think that was stolen, like, in the uh, early 80s, was it? About, I was there in 88, and it was gone. Yeah. And it was um, that about that same time, all the graffiti, oh, it was kind of nightmarish because people were spray-painting on the, the you know, uh, adjacent tombs, this way, this is the end, Jim this way. And the, the caretakers at the cemetery were obviously alarmed, and the families of those uh, people who were buried near him, who had all this um, graffiti, was were not thrilled. So right. they started to put up um, these kind of crowd barricades to keep people back, and also they were spray washing and taking all of the graffiti off. Then they had police and dogs <laughs> that would regularly kind of uh, survey the area. And people, there's no more graffiti, thank goodness, and people are really behaving themselves. Um, the, I, I suspect it's going to be wild um, in a couple of weeks on that Saturday, July 3rd. I can't imagine on the 30th anniversary. Right. There was 10,000 people on the 30th anniversary. Right. I can't imagine what it's going to be like um, now that the 
vaccination thing is Paris is open now and well that's so, just uh, it Americans are now able to visit the uh, European Union again so vaccinated or not um I'm, you know I see it as like the magazine and the excerpt will be out they're probably in the hands of subscribers right now and will be uh, on a newsstand soon so people can decide pretty quickly <laughs> If they have the money, they could shoot over the Paris. <laughs> I, I, I have American friends who were waiting um, to get permission. They had already signed up, and they were just waiting to get. You had to prove your vaccination um, and to get the permission. And this is a friend who has, I think he has a kind of a dual citizenship status. So he was in the pipeline. He's a journalist, mm. and he was ready to go. I mean, he was also, he has a home there. But there are other people who are there's I looked on Facebook, there's somebody and I can't quite make out what it is. Um, they're planning a party. Mm. Uh, they said meet at four o'clock. Um, there was a, a friend of mine, uh, Thierry Leroy, he has this wonderful uh, company called Necromantiques. And he's giving this wonderful life tour of all of the places that Morrison uh, visited uh, his mm. favorite um bookstores, the favorite restaurants that he patronized, the building that he lived in. And so he's he's gearing up this uh, thing for Friday, July 2nd. Um, so um, if anybody's in Paris, look for Necromantics um, on the web. And the, Thierry is a wonderful tour guide. He's one of the most, you know, kind of stellar people that's very knowledgeable and I, I met and hung out with him when I'm there and um, so there's there, I think there's going to be um, it's it's kind of unpredictable because at one point they were limiting Thierry told me he could only give tours to six people at a time hmm. where ordinarily he would have 20 or 30 hmm. so now that museums are open people still have to wear masks they hmm. you cannot go unmasked so um, Macron is still, he knows, I mean, Europe is still vulnerable to surges. It's happening in certain, you know, um, countries. So I think everyone needs to still be careful. And <laughs> but that, it, it's, that's outdoors, too, for the tours, right? Masks must yes, be Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. It's still, they're still asking for masks. Um, I think that they're, they're, again, Europe has this new variant in the yes, virus so, the delta variant, so right. i guess right and i think everybody again we're so anxious it's been 15 months but i'm still wearing a mask i yeah. just you know in west hollywood i just with really, all the crowds you have to sometimes you know yeah but well, again it's really a shrine and people go young people people bring their their instruments and play music there it's it's very moving it's, it reminds me kind moving. of like uh if you go to Central Park with John Lennon's Imagine, which is kind of a mm. shrine, uh, people there are musicians there that play Lennon songs uh, right. almost the whole time. So yeah, I you know I've obviously been there because Lennon is a favorite of mine, as as Morrison right. is. I mean, people thought I was a little strange to take my day and go <laughs> visit the grave of Jim Morrison, but I had to. Well, I was just attracted yeah. uh it was like magnetic i had to go right. and pay around well it's a, it's, a, it's a pilgrimage i mean myself yeah. what i was looking for oscar wilde and people it's really a kind of a uh, it's not a people look at me oddly in the graveyards really carolyn i said 
it's a place of celebration of memory. Yeah, of their this is about, what they've done, right? You know, exactly. And, and I, I take a certain pride in being part of the creative world in that um, Chopin left us so many beautiful musical compositions and Balzac with his novels and Edith mm. Piaf with her songs. And, I mean, Morrison... I think that still, um, I, I think I mentioned, I, I, did, I did tell Jim in the book that he was in, in the Hall of Fame now, and the Doors <laughs> um, album still uh, are still massive numbers. Right. I mean, this was, and I just can't believe it's been 50 years. They're timeless. <laughs> the, the, the albums I mean, are timeless. Uh, they yeah. really are. The music is timeless. And, you know, I went because not only am I a big uh fan of the music but i'm a fan of him as an artist um i wasn't into the shocking stuff and all the other crap because i knew it was just part of his uh you know it had to do with some of his alcoholism and his frustrations with um celebrity um but you know i think that's why he was glad that he was anonymous in paris like baldelaire you know just moving through the crowd and feeding off the energy without without being seen um i think yeah i think he got off on that and i think you know that was a wonder in a way it was you know he he had happiness in the end um you know it's just too bad he didn't get to have more years of happiness um well i i think he was haunted by i mean alcoholism is a voracious creditor it is a terminal illness um he didn't unfortunately and i think it wasn't just that i and again he did there was no autopsy so no one really knows right um what his illnesses were but alan told me that that when they were walking around perlachez which has some very steep inclines it's like a thousand foot elevation okay. is the gym was out of breath right and walking up some of the stairs and I suspect he was a heavy smoker, which you don't really kind of get when you see in concert every once in a while. You'll right. see maybe a cigarette in his hand. But I suspect COPD, because Alain died of COPD. He was a heavy smoker. And the, and the Europeans, oh, my God, the French, the smell of Goloise and all of those heavy non-filtered cigarettes. Right. And I suspect he had a, quite a combination um, of of issues. He was asthmatic. Um, yeah. So the breathing thing was really a, a, was a troublesome issue with him. And well, still, um, it wasn't enough. I agree. I think he might have been quite, he was probably at his happiest. Right. There wasn't a lot of um, promotion on the uh, what cigarettes can do to you and, oh, you know, the, all that, even alcohol or, you know, I think that yeah. if he had the um, enough time, he could have recovered from that. Um, like many rock stars have done done some haven't sure. obviously um well he was trying to he had quit drinking alan told me for about a week which is miraculous i mean some alcoholics can go cold turkey for a while mm. <laughs> but he he earnestly sought to be healthier and mm. to be more present for his writing and i i'm afraid that the temptations around him to um again you know it's that cafe society in paris everyone's drinking wine and there's a one this is you know it's it's smoking (laughs) and drinking it's it's that's you know it goes with right after the aperitif right after dinner 
Right. So, yeah, and again, I think that that um, his girlfriend was was also still heavily involved in drugs, and it, right. you know, it was just like the perfect storm, unfortunately. But well, there, you know, yeah, she left drugs around, yeah. and that is rumored to be his downfall. So, um, right, right. But it see, you got a lot of stuff from the people that were around him. Um, you know, like and and the, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say, and they filled in that those blank areas where yeah. I was able to. You know, there's a sorrow about his demise, but there's the celebration of what he left behind, and that yes. can never be taken away. And that is what I don't. People don't come to the grave and say, "Oh, it's so bad that he died that way." No, they come and they're singing his song. Right. And they're writing they're writing poems. The, the, there's so many tokens left at the grave site. You see photographs. You see a few bottles of booze left behind. Right. The caretakers have quite a duty to keep the, the place cleaned up. But there's always lovely personal letters written to him. And, um, and unfortunately, there's, because of the graffiti was stopped, Mm-hmm. As I mentioned to you, yes. there was this new habit of sticking bubblegum wads yes. on a nearby tree trunk. And I don't know what that is about. <laughs> <laughs> they just, you know, there is, there is on Jewish graves, people tend to leave a stone. Right. And that is a symbol to say, I've been here, I visited. Huh. And I think that people wanted some kind of a gesture that they could say, I've been here. So I guess there's a lot of gum chewing fans but of the they they've erected a little bit of a fence around the tree trunk so that's another landmark if you see a tall tree covered in bubblegum was <laughs> you stumbled X marks the spot <laughs> yes. it's well, what? just kind of I'm, their their heads must spin at the at the administrator's office when they say i mean he has the tomb until the end of time it's been his family right. paid um, for that they call in perpetuity until the end of time. So he's yeah. not being disinterred. He's not being, you know, ejected. He That is his final resting place. So. And he, you know, they cleaned it up very nicely. I mean, it's kind of gated off, right? Um, and it's got a plaque. I think his, did his family put that plaque up that says, I guess it's in Latin or Greek. It says, true to his own spirit. It's a bronze plaque. Um, yes, um, there. there I, I guess it was shortly after um, the graffiti was was halted and that head, the bust was stolen. Mm. The family um, decided in, to install the bronze plaque. Yeah, which is is beautiful. It has James Douglas Morrison, his birth and death date, and then in Greek, the and of course uh, true to his own. I don't know why the Greek, but uh, true to his own spirit. Hmm. Um, which is um, true. Yes, it, exactly. And it's great because it, it's a symbol that the the family had some kind of reconciliation. Um, his father was in the military, and I don't think they saw eye to eye. Mm-hmm. And um, so this was just, it, it seems very heartfelt, and that that is the kind of commemorative thing, gesture from the family. So that's kind of like a feel-good moment as well. Well, I think you have proof that there are diehard fans that will go on short notice. So this is a great guide. So where where can people pick up the book besides uh, going to Amazon? Um, it's in a lot of, uh, as a matter of fact, you can go to the website, cityofimmortals.com. And if you go to the book section, um, there is a 
several links there um, for events that where I'm doing book signings, but there's also a list of all of the bookstores in New York and Boston, and there's a, they're, they're everywhere pretty much. Um, and also from Goff Books, G-O-F-F Books, um, which is my publisher, and you can get them um, directly from them. Yeah. So, yeah, well, Book Soup, I mean, everywhere, L.A., Romans has them, um, they're probably... I'm, I'm doing, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be doing a signing um, on July 1st mm. online at Village Well Books, and I'll be doing a Zoom event, but I'll be signing, uh, there will be signed copies that you can purchase through their event. So thanks for the opportunity to let your listeners know, but uh, Village Well in Culver City, California will have signed copies. Well, I, so. I, like I said, I wish I had this book when I went there. I kind of went... I just dove in um, and went there. <laughs> well, well, now, now, Pat, you have to go back. I do. Now you're 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 going to be I'm able a... to recognize all the famous sculptures and the architecture, and you can beeline to Jim's tomb in no time. So you're you're in. <laughs> I'm afraid, like Jim, I might get winded this time. <laughs> oh, oh gosh! I tell you honestly, I used to have to go to the gym two weeks before. <laughs> I traveled. I don't know. Uh, after fifteen months of sedentary yes. in front of a computer, I don't think I could traverse exactly those, you know, thirty some odd acres. I, I remember now out. that you brought back <laughs> memories. I remember it was uh, quite a trek um, walking around. You have to. You have to be in, have good uh, hiking shoes. I've seen people there who go in high heels. I'm going. What are you thinking? <laughs> you know, there's, it's, it's cobblestone. It's nineteenth century. This well, they, is not some paved, you know, highway here. This is, and it's hilly, wet yeah. leaves. If you go in the fall, yeah. so you can you can take a nasty tumble yeah. if you're not sure-footed, and and you're oh, the the tombs are crowded together, so you're kind of, it's 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 a labyrinth, but yeah. it's an adventure. Oh my gosh, they I, they I, go I, in. I, they go in dressed rock and roll, thinking they're going backstage, but they need to go in as if, uh, right. yeah, just casual. Think of Jim and his beard, and you know, just very casual looking. <laughs> comfortable. Yes, comfortable. comfortable. Casual and comfortable. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. One thing before we before we uh, stop. What is the? Uh, I'm I'm trying to remember the area. Uh, that this was in, in Paris, but I can't, I remember going on this, like the trans, like the subway, getting off, but I didn't explore the area. So what's the, the area of Paris that this is in? This is the far Eastern section. It's the 20th arrondissement. Okay. And it is kind of a middle class, um, if, if, if I could live someplace because the Marais and the left bank are so expensive. Mm. Um, the Belleville, uh, there's a, the area where Edith Piaf lived is nearby. The metro um, station, conveniently, the subway, is Père Lachaise. It's right. the green line. You, there's a lot of buses that go by there. Again, it's a boulevard, Menelmontant is the main boulevard uh, in front of the cemetery. Um, there's also the um, Alexander Dumas. Right. Uh, metro is on the other side, um, and the, if you go to the northern section, it's the um, Gambetta metro station. So depending upon where, which direction you're coming from, wherever you're staying in Paris, and it's, it's worth a day long. Don't give yourself an hour. Give yourself several hours. There's wonderful little restaurants nearby. 
Yeah. Um, so you can grab a, a, a good sandwich and steal yourself up with a couple of espressos and yeah. head in <laughs> because you're not going to want to leave, especially right. if you have the map so that you can find all of these. There's just, I mean, I've only, only, but listed 84 um, yeah. kind of icons that are there, but there's hundreds more. I'm there's, looking at your map endless. right now, and I um, I didn't even know there was like a little circular thing uh, near Jim uh, that has uh, Chopin. Um, yep. Yeah. yeah. Cherubini, yeah. Um, Bellini, all of There's this little cluster of composers. I always wondered if they kind of, their families got together and say, let's make this composer's circle or something. It's like a little roundabout, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I can, I can remember uh, that it, it was a trek. Um, I didn't really explore the neighborhood, though. But I did find out, since I didn't have a map or uh, a map of how to get there, that uh, Parisians were very friendly. Unlike what you hear, they were very friendly to oh. me and able were willing to give me directions and walk yes. me to certain places. You know, when you go to the museums, they may not be as friendly, but... They were vi- the common Parisian was extremely friendly. Um, well, I think they're also for especially like myself. I earnestly am in awe of French culture. Yeah. Um, the the history. I mean, this was a cemetery that was founded by Napoleon. Yeah. And people go what? And I said no. He was concerned about the health conditions of his citizenry uh, because they there was there was no more room for dead bodies. Right. You know, traditionally, everyone is buried in a church. So the the church graveyards were overflowing, and the cemetery, in a sense, a wall caved in, and 2,000 corpses spilled out. So he instituted the whole concept of the garden-style cemeteries out in the countryside, because the 20th arrondissement in the early 19th century mm. was way out in the country. And so it was revolutionary. And that, you know, and the, the architects are the ones that designed it. So this was never done, you know, as far as cemeteries. And most American cemeteries are modeled after Carlisle's. But if you look at any major um, garden cemetery that dates back to the 1800s in the U.S., they are modeled after Carlisle's. You yeah. know, open, winding pathways, and it's, and most of the ones in Europe, the same, of are, um, are modeled after Carlisle's. So... Historically, you know, again, vive la France. I mean, yeah. the food, the the atmosphere, the museums, the art, um, yeah. and then Père Lachaise is probably encompasses it all. You see beautiful sculptures on the tombs, and you can probably yeah. it's like an open air museum, really. And the you beauty of this food. book is you don't have to go on an anniversary date like Jim Morrison's uh, anniversary, um, you know, which the anniversary of his death, which a lot of people will go to his gravesite, um, but you could go at any time and pick up this book. And like I said, I wish I had it when I went. And well, let me mention at this point too. I also, um, right after the book came out, a couple about a year later, well, a year later, maybe a couple months later, I came out with a GPS app. So really, you can also yeah, that's two ninety nine. That's <laughs> it's cool. On Apple and, and Android. And it's got the the same content that I put in the three tours. That's even better. Is on the app, yes, and it has all the image, which is very helpful. It has the images of the tomb, so when you're wandering, because sometimes the maps will say, "Here's a little dot, and this is where 
Delacroix is. But if you have no idea what Delacroix's tomb looks like, and there's 30 tombs, um, I did did all the advanced research for everybody. So the GPS tour, um, again, on my website, cityofimmortals.com, Though that is, you know, I translated it into French this year, and I'm working on the audio now because I, a lot of people just like to have it in their ear. Okay, take a left at this tree, and you'll see a big this and that. And that's cool. I'm looking forward to, to doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's become an industry. I don't know. It's just it keeps it keeps t- taking hold of me. I mean, this this fall, I'm going to have an exhibition of my photos. It keeps. I don't. It's it's the it's the passion that keeps on giving. I guess. I mean, I and I'm really thrilled to share it with people because it's well, an extremely memorable experience. Thank you for this interview. Thank you for letting us run the excerpt on Jim Morrison from your book, City oh, of Immortals. My and, pleasure, Pat. Thank and keep you. in touch. I will. Thank you again. This has been wonderful. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Carolyn, for all the insights on Jim Morrison and Pere Lachaise. Listeners, to purchase the book, City of Immortals, go to cityofimmortals.com. For those interested it's worth every penny. It's a resourceful guide. It has beautiful photographs and has such a creative connection to the artist's buried there. And don't forget to go to goldmymag.com for exclusive content and everything regarding music collecting. Pick up the August issue of Goldmine with that City of Immortals excerpt at select Barnes & Noble and Books a Million stores, too. This is Patrick Prince, editor of Goldmine, signing off, and I'll catch you next time on the Goldmine Podcast. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.